Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to our Gridiron Blitz, 345, Oscar Lopez in the house. We're going to be having uh, Hall of Famer Holly Custis with us today, including ex-league insider Nate Ward in about an hour. We're going to be talking college football, uh, also going to be diving into NFL Week 10, uh, previewing Week 11, and then some of the key matchups coming up here in Week 11, crucial uh, playoff positionings for certain teams. Uh, we have the Bills on top of the AFC East. Um and we have the West, 8-1 and one, Kansas City. Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers are 9-0. and oh, they're get, They get on a bye. Indianapolis, 6-3. and three. And then also 3-5-1, three, three, uh, Philadelphia in that horrendous uh, NFC East. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen in terms of the playoff picture, but we're getting a real perfect view up to what's happening uh, in terms of the matchups coming up here in the next, uh, what, four weeks. It's going to be pretty intense. Um, that way we get set up in terms of what the playoffs are going to look like, what the power rankings are going to look like this week as well. Um, so we'll see how that's going to turn out uh, in terms of um, what's the happening there at, at, at that point as well. Um, so let me go ahead and bring in our Hall of Famer here, and uh, that way we'll get started here. So... Holly in. See if Holly's on right now. We'll get her on here at this point. And then we're going to have uh, Nate Ward coming up here in about an hour. Should be able to give us a perspective in terms of week 11. Um, well, um, let me see. I got to call her in. All right. Let's get that going. Um, she should be on the line. I don't know. If, can you can you hear me, Holly? Yeah, should be on there. See if we get her on here. Difficulties with the calling line, second week in a row here, so I addressed it, but uh, we'll see how it turns out. Let me see if I can give her a call once again. Call her in. So let's dial her in. And we're dialing in. Hello. Hey, Holly. I don't. Know. I think our our calling line is something's going on with it. I'm gonna have to get a hold of Block Talk this week. I thought everything was corrected, but uh, we get you on. That's okay. So, um, Holly, uh, we're walking into basically kind of a preview. Uh, week ten was kind of a preview as to what to expect in certain divisions because we have certain things going on in each division now. So, for example, we had Indianapolis really surprise everybody. I was thinking Tennessee was going to take it. Me and Mac were talking about it last week. We thought for sure the Titans were going to be the, you know, the better team, but the Indianapolis defense really showed up. Yeah, you know, um, the Colts have kind of been under the radar a bit, and, you know, they, they've proven to be a solid team, but I think this was the, the first time that uh, I think people are starting to pay attention to them now. Um, I think the Titans, on the other hand, started off this season, you know, uh, 
guns a blazing basically and had a great start, but they seemed to fallen off a little bit. Um, so I think it was a definite huge mark for, for the Colts and uh, we'll see if they can uh, make a run in that conference and do something with it. Yeah. I, were you surprised that the, the Colts played so well at this point uh, in terms of defensively? I mean, they kind of shut down Henry in a lot of ways. Um, it was, we expected, you know, the Titans to, to, you know, take the, take the game. Basically that's what we were thinking. I was thinking more offensive Tannehill and company, but it didn't work out that way with, um, you know, with the, uh, obviously Phillip rivers and company, but the defense did a really good job in it. So in, in a playoff sense picture, uh, they're neck and neck in the division. So that in itself is something to watch for uh, coming up here in the next couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, I think the Colts defense played pretty well. I mean, they held uh, Henry to 100 yards, which is, you know, normally that's a great stat line for a running back, but for Henry that that is about average. So that's actually pretty decent. Um I think where they they the <clears throat> the most uh I guess uh, traction is that they they made Tanhill try to beat them and that didn't work out so well. Um and they also found a lot of success through the air. Um and I think uh uh it looks like Michael Pittman had a really great game, you know, and so Philip Rivers kind of had a throwback game through the air and the combination of the two led to the win. But, you know, I don't think that people gave the Colts enough credit going into the game. Uh, I think they are pretty solid, but this is a game that puts people on notice that they're a team that can make a run. Now, um, were you surprised at Baltimore uh, having such a difficult time with, with uh, New England and New England basically kind of hanging around? I mean, they're not the same team that they were a year ago, obviously, uh, the upgrade with uh, at quarterback, you would have thought that that would have been the you know the defining moment for them to say, okay, we got a more mobile quarterback, taller quarterback, a little bit more agile than um, Tom Brady. But I mean, what do you say of Cam Newton at this point uh, after ten weeks? Well, I think it's um, it's a it's a tough go to try to judge Newton on this year, considering new team didn't get a lot of preseason work to. Um, you know, get used to the offense the way that you normally would. Then he had COVID, and then he was gone for a couple of weeks. And then, you know, I, I think really what you're seeing with the Patriots is that they're changing <clears throat> their play calling a little bit, and they're kind of discovering who they are, which is actually not going to be that far off from the, the Ravens. Uh, I think the Patriots have, I think, acknowledged to themselves they don't really have a, a great receiving core. And even though Cam Newton can get them the ball, it doesn't mean it's going to uh, do a whole lot because they can't get a lot of separation. Um, and so basically what they're doing is they're like, okay, well, we have a, a decent offensive line. We have a mobile quarterback who can run. And we're going to run the football. And we're going to throw it when we need to. But we're going to get back to running the football. And, and I think that transition the last couple of weeks has proven to, to show a lot of um, uh, success for them. And I think what you're seeing is that they're starting to kind of adjust their offense to the personnel that they have. And so that being said, I don't really think you can judge Newton too harshly on this year because he has no one to throw the ball to, number one. And number two, 
he was out a couple of weeks for COVID, so that definitely threw off his um, rhythm and getting used to the offense and everyone getting used to each other. So I definitely think that kind of threw them for a couple of weeks. For the Ravens side, this is what I was talking about earlier. They have receivers, but Lamar can't get them the ball very often. Then you have the fact that it was like monsoon-level rain coming down, right? That doesn't make yeah. it easier. And so I just think that the Ravens are a team that if they are in the lead or it's tied or they're only down by a score, they are really, really deadly with that running game. But they just don't have the passing attack to come back from, um, you know, down a couple scores. They just don't have that ability. Then you add the fact that there was a monsoon happening and that that was not, you know, pleasant for them. I think they – um, you know, they tried to come back, but it was just a little uh, too little too late at the end. But definitely the Patriots are, are starting to right the ship. And I don't know if they're going to be in the Super Bowl, but I definitely think that they're going to they're going to start pushing um, that division and, and try to get into the wild card situation. Uh, drop off, you think, right there for uh, in terms of Baltimore offensively, a drop off. I mean, if you take the weather away from it. They they were already coming in. They were what uh, two out of three. They were now lost two out of three. So they really got to start looking at themselves because, to your point, yeah, we're getting into that last couple weeks of the season where it's the second half, and they either got to stay relevant to make the wild card run, or they're going to be just completely off base, especially uh, in the North, where you know you got the Steelers. Uh, I think they're up by three games in the division, so it's really a matter of like you said, lifting their play a little better going forward here. Yeah, I mean, I think that the Baltimore Ravens are who they are at at this point. Um, Lamar actually didn't throw the ball terribly considering the weather, but they just don't have a consistent enough off, um, you know, passing attack to come from behind on these games. But they do still have, um, some talented weapons. Uh, I think them losing um, McBoyle, one of their uh, solid tight ends, is going to hurt because he was a great blocking tight end and then occasionally would catch a pass or two. And that is really key when you have a quarterback that that, that struggles to get the ball down the field sometimes. Um, so I don't think that they're in trouble. I just think that they're going to have to try to find a way to um, – have a scheme when they're down a couple of scores because that seems to be their Achilles heel. If you get up on them early, they really struggle to to come back, which is the exact opposite of like a Kansas City team where you could be up by yeah. like 50 points and you know you know you can't let up because they have the capability um, to have a they have such a explosive offense so they can catch up in a hurry. The Ravens' offense is not that kind of offense, so. They either they need to find a way to play from behind, and if they can find that, whatever that looks like, then I think they can really turn the corner. Um, Holly, you're not surprised that Brady has started to click with Brown, Godwin, and Gronkowski. Uh, just it just it's it was just about time, right? I mean, I think it was really just timing. We talked about it how no preseason he was going to get he has to get reps with certain players. Now we add Brown to the element here. Uh, even Evans coming off, uh, you know, off the injury uh, mentality. Now he's contributing to it. So um, they go from a poor start 
uh, you know, poor game last week, and then they sort of turn everything around, and then here we start Brady distributing, basically. So it, it, it was just well, that's the way it worked out. It basically comes down to this, like the previous week um, when they, they didn't look very good. They didn't. They gave up on the run too, way too early, right? And and what did they do mm-hmm. well this game? They ran the ball. Um, mm-hmm. Ronald Jones had 192 yards. Um, he averaged 8.3 yards a carry. Granted, he has a 100-yard run, basically, that really helped that, uh, that stat line. But still, he was running the ball well. And when you run the ball well with this type of offense and these type of receivers, it makes your job as a quarterback so much easier. That uh, play-action type of um, uh, throw uh, passing game that they have is that much more deadly because you do have all those weapons that are they're veteran weapons. They know how to um, get open. They know how to use their their leverage and space. And when you run the ball well, it makes the defense have to honor their run, which actually really helps your passing game. So I think the difference between last week and this week is not necessarily. Tom Brady, although he is, you know, he did play well. This is the difference between them not running the ball and them running the ball. It really hurt Carolina not having McCaffrey, uh, McCaffrey come, you know, coming into the game. Of course, I would have kind of been a sort of a game changer in a way or a factor. So, um, Holly, what do you, what do you say of Tampa going up against my Rams this coming weekend? Um, you know, high-powered offense on both sides, playmakers on both sides. Should be a good matchup uh, in terms of Monday night. I think it's going to be a really great matchup because, you know, just like we, we, I, I just mentioned, Tampa Bay, in order to really be successful, needs to run the ball. So I want to see them do that. Um, and I also want to see, you know, the matchup between Aaron Donald and Tom Brady. That's going to be interesting. And then on the, on the other side of the ball, I really want to see because uh, uh, Tampa Bay's defense is pretty good too, and I want to see if uh, uh, golf can handle that as well. Um, so I think it's going to be a playoff type of game, and I think it's a it's going to be a key game uh, when it comes to uh, playoff implica- implications and uh, playoff seating. Uh, so I think it's going to be a great matchup. All right, uh, don't forget, guys. You guys can go to monkeyknifefight.com. You can sign up now. You get a hundred percent match, up to fifty dollars minimum of ten dollars deposit. You can play pretty much all week, especially on Monday night, Thursday night, and Sunday night. Uh, Monkey night fight. If you want to get away from the usual DraftKings and fan, and FanDuel stuff, lineup building in general, use code NJF to get started today. MonkeyNightFight.com is our uh, podcast sponsor, and we're really happy to have them on. Also, MonkeyNightFight.com has partnered with the NFLPA players and their partners going forward in the future as invested uh, in invested interest into the platform. So don't forget uh, new players who sign up and deposit will receive a bonus using code NJF. So go now to monkeyknifefight.com and sign up, get your uh, your hundred percent match up to $50 and get started today. Um, on top of that, we have 20% off at the shop, tanks, tees, hoodies, leggings, etc. at the Zazzle. Um, dot com for slash ground beauty shop at no joke football shop check it out there if you haven't checked it out on our social sites and our stories you're pretty much aware of it if you're on our social medias you're pretty much aware of it so check it out go uh, get some tanks and tees for under 20 bucks uh you get free shipping if you do zazzle black 
as well for $9.99 for the 12 months, and international shipping as well from Zazzle.com at the No Joke Football Shop. All right, uh, Holly, uh, we're going to be getting Kansas City against Las Vegas, but are the Raiders for real? I really think that the, um, you know, the Raiders are another kind of under-the-radar team, and I've been, you know, quietly impressed by the improved play um, by uh, Carr. I think he definitely is playing a lot more consistent, which has been one of his issues in the past. The other person I think is extremely underrated in this league right now is uh, Josh Jacobs. I love watching that guy run the ball. He's extremely physical. He's kind of a throwback guy. Um, and I think he, he's one of the best backs in the league right now, and I think he should be getting more attention. Um, I think that the Raiders could easily find their way into the playoffs, and um, they, they, they aren't perfect. They still have some holes, but I, I definitely think uh, that uh, they could push Kansas City, um, and I think it should be a really good matchup. Um, Holly, what do you say to my Rams? Uh, Darius Williams, uh, Ramsey, I mean, Lloyd, they, they got to Wilson. And then somehow Seattle seemed very ordinary. They didn't seem like the explosive offense that we have been seeing in the last couple of weeks. And then we talked about them barely edging Arizona, barely getting by with the other of the games. So it, it really out, overmatched. I think uh, they were offensively overmatched, I mean, up front at the line. And it really, uh, you know, factored in in terms of uh, Wilson, Wilson's timing, and they also did a good job of containment. Yeah, it's it, it's basically one of those things where every team has their strengths and weaknesses, right? And so, one of the problems with Seattle right now is their injuries at running back. If they mm-hmm. can't run the ball, it puts a lot more pressure on Russell. And he is playing extremely well overall this season. However, if you have a defensive front like you do with the Rams that you can get after the quarterback and you have the back in hell because you have a very good secondary as well that can cover because what Russell's really good at is, is, is creating space, getting out of the pocket, making something happen, and just throwing it you know, basically backyard football style to DK Metcalf or Lockett or somebody down the field, right? That's his game. If you have the secondary that can keep up on the back end, and you also have the defensive front that can get after him, and he doesn't have the running game he normally does to rely on, that's what caused the issues for their offense. Um, And I think for the Seahawks offensively to continue to go at the clip that they were earlier in the season – they have to have that balance um, in the running game, at least have the threat when you're playing a defensive front that, that is good. They can get away with that with uh, defensive fronts that aren't as good. But when you play a team like the Rams or you play other teams that have that kind of ability to get after the quarterback, then I think that's where they, they have some issues. On the flip side, their defense is still struggling, uh, especially, you know, the secondary has been an issue. And, Right now, the Seahawks defense is not consistent enough. And so what's going to happen is if they're going to have to, when they make a run to get into the playoffs, they have to, number one, solve their running game. And number two, if their defense is not consistent enough, they're going to have to rely on Russell to try to outscore everyone. And 
like 85, 90% of the time that might work, and then the other 10 to 15%, it's not going to. So um, right now the Rams are playing. They're kind of, um, you know, starting to overtake the Seahawks, at least right now, and the level of play. I think the Seahawks can still regain ground if they can get that running game back. But I think it was a really great game for the Rams. It's a statement win. Uh, now there's a three-way tie in, uh, at the top of the division. Now it's completely wide open, um, and it should be a fun home stretch. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm looking forward to, this, like I said, this whole shakeup in the division because you got Arizona against Seattle, one more battle there. you got ourselves and, and uh, you know, see, probably Seattle one more time as well. But Tampa Bay is going to be really crucial for us to win on Monday night for us to stay on top of the division, considering everybody's six and three right now, uh, tied in the West. Um, Pittsburgh is going to get, I believe, the buy this. So they're nine and zero. Oh. Are, are they for real? And should we give uh, Roethlisberger like comeback player of the year? I think the Steelers are a team that they had a really hard year last year. You know, they had a lot of entries. They had a lot of drama. And I think that Tomlin's done a great job to keep them together. Like the, the culture of that team could have easily, uh, you know, imploded like a Dallas Cowboys of this year. Um, that last right. year, even though they had drama, they stayed together as a team. And so what happened is they stayed together as a team, you know, from last year ca- carrying into this year. Then they added additional talent that was injured that came back, like uh, uh, Big Ben. Then they added one of the best rookie receivers of the year in in Claypool. And now they have even more weapons. And, you know, I was just – this last game against the Bengals, that's that's a tough game to really evaluate because the Bengals just don't have the the horses, really. But I think Big Ben definitely should be in that conversation for – uh, the comeback player of the year. And I definitely think there's something in the sauce right now with the Steelers. Now they're a team that, you know, if you're a fan of the Steelers and I noticed, uh, cause last year the Niners had uh, a really good start as well is every week you're like, Oh my God, is this going to be the week that we lose because you're undefeated? You're like, can we do it? Can we go all the way? Can we go undefeated? And then that pressure builds and builds and builds. Um, so I think Tomlin's going to have to make sure that they focus on a week-to-week basis and not get ahead of themselves. If they can do that, I think they can make a, a run deep into the playoffs. Um, so I think, yes, we have to give them credit for sure. And then picking up Ebron, Ebron uh, is a key player that I think really uh, – I mean, not that they didn't have a good tight end last year, but I think picking up uh, Eric Ebron really uh, gives them another weapon. Uh, on on the, in the passing game, you got Schuster, you got Claypool, um, D. Johnson as well. Um, so I think we have to give T- uh, Tomlin credit. Uh, he's been there what ten years now, and he's really consistent in terms of a rebuild. He's never had—I don't think he's ever had a losing season, right? He's never had like a drop-off season. No. So I mean, we got to no, give credit and, for maintaining that. Yeah, and you know, considering everything that they dealt with last year, I think. Um, then I think they were eight and eight last year. Getting to that eight and eight was a, a huge achievement, and I think he is very consistent. And I think that um, they definitely have built um, a culture there 
and and that's important if you want to win year after year after year you you understand that the players come and go you know but if you can keep the culture solid then the new players that come on board if they buy into that that's when you create something special so i think that the, i think they're proving that they that they have that um and and you're right you know it's interesting because the t- the position of tight end has changed over the years. It's like anything else in football; it, it kind of ebbs and flows. But it's really interesting to see tight ends are way more dynamic than um, maybe ten, fifteen years ago. And you know, having a a solid tight end when you're in trouble, even if you're you know um, a all pro level quarterback like they've been that makes you that much more dangerous because now you have basically your safety belt. Uh, and then mm-hmm. also it stretches the defense because if you're a linebacker and you're expected to, to cover a tight end, it's very easy to, you know, have that tight end get lost in the shuffle. And that's why tight ends can get open in the middle of the field a lot. You know, if they run like a seam route or, or a drag or something like that, because they're easy to forget about because you're like, oh, they're just blocking, they're just blocking, and then they release. And that's why you see tight ends that can get open. So I'm just impressed that the tight end position is getting more and more athletic. Um, and so if they have uh, Ebron to, to get the ball to as well, that makes them that much more dangerous. Um, your boy, Herbert, taking on Tua. I was a game uh, pitting two impressive uh, rookie QBs. Obviously, uh, coming into the season, we were we were even questioning whether Tua was going to start at all, right, or even be on on a starting roster. But here we are. You know, you shut down Fifth, fifth Magic, and you put Tua in. Pretty impressive for the last couple of weeks that he's been in. You know, the starter. Uh, we had basically a duel, kind of like what we had in college. So twenty nine twenty one, Miami edges uh, the the Chargers and. I kind of feel bad for Herbert because they've been in almost every game and it's just a matter of like one play or two and they would be up and, and doing their things. But Miami's uh, two, you know, two possession lead really says it all. And uh, to a, you know, kind of a slugfest for both in a kind of a re- in a rematch mode into the pros. You know, it's, it's interesting because going into this season, if you had said who's going to be the better the Chargers or the Dolphins, I would have said the, the the Chargers, and I think most people would have. But I think what I and a lot of other people have learned is that the Dolphins are a more complete team than anybody realized going into the season. And so, you know, even though I'm partial to, to Herbert, I, I think the problem with the Chargers is that they have a lot of holes, and then the, the players that they had that were their solid players are now injured. <laughs> And they didn't have depth behind those people, and so they're not really. They're, they were struggling to run the ball the last few weeks, and they they picked up Elage, um, who used to play with the Dolphins, and he's been their best option the last like game and a half. But you know, they just seem to they can't get out of their own way. Um, and I think there was a stat where since Anthony Lynn took over the last couple of years their record in one possession games is just terrible. And I don't think that's one player. <laughs> that's a lot of, com- there's a lot of things combined in that. And so, you know, I, I think that Herbert didn't play perfect, but I don't think he played terrible. I think that the Chargers just have a lot of holes. On the other side, the Dolphins defensively are playing extremely well. And I think they're like a top two or three defense in the league. 
um, right now. They're creating turnovers left and right. And what's happening is that makes Tua's job so much easier. He's a rookie quarterback, you know, but his defense is they're, – they're scoring on defense. They're scoring on special teams. They're blocking punts. Um, they're running the ball well. Uh, Ahmad, the, the running back, had a, a solid game. When you do all those things, all those components on your team, then your rookie quarterback can just focus on the basic stuff. He doesn't need to do too much. So he's had, um, I think, you know, a, a nice, easy trans not easy, but like an easier transition into, into the league because the team around him is actually pretty good. And so I think um, as long as they take that pressure off of him, and he can get more and more comfortable, I think they can make a, a run into the playoffs. Um, and uh, But it was a fun game to watch because obviously these two are going to probably battle it out uh, for quite a, uh, a few years in the future as well. And uh, you got to give Brian Flores some credit for making the change. A lot of people were like, why, can't you, why don't you just stick to the veteran as Magic was expressing himself. Um, he's got the culture there. You know, we were talking about what last year, how, you know, the Miami just nobody would want to go to Miami, right? It's kind of a debacle and mm-hmm. things changed when Tannehill left and here we are. Uh, ownership did change for them too. So I think the expectation has been elevated. You get a coaching change as well on top of that. Um, so we got to give, you know, Brian Flores uh, some credit here um, to, you know, week to week he's been doing a lot of things with like special teams, block punting, really getting to the ball and making things happen to keep them into a float. And then they've been consistent on extra, you know, field goals. I mean, whatever opportunity they've gotten to the point where they can score and then add the defense on top of that to kind of put pressure on the opposite side. Like in this game, they really, they really rattled um, Herbert and they contain Allen, which was really key. Yeah. I really think at this point, like if, you know, somebody gave me a vote and they're like, who do you think is the, the coach of the year? I, I will give it to Forrest because, you know, each week they, they, they're very smart with their game plan. They, they know who they are. They know what their strengths and weaknesses are. And they know what the other team's strengths, strengths and weaknesses are. Another thing that you can tell, speaking about culture, is that this team believes in itself. And you can tell that. Like, for example, they, they, they blocked a punt early in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was, like, on the second possession that the Chargers had, something like that. That block set the tone for the rest of the game. That put the Chargers in a huge hole. Um, they hadn't really had a chance to get off the ground offensively yet, and that set the tone for the whole game. And when you watch the effort that was put in on that block, you saw multiple players giving 110% on that play, which normally doesn't usually produce a whole lot. So for all those individual players to put in that much effort, that tells you that they have bought into their team, they've bought into their culture, they are playing extremely hard for their coach, and all that together, that's what creates turnovers, that's what creates momentum, and that's a very dangerous component if you have that on your side. So I think all that combined that speaks to the job that Flores has done to create that culture. And that's really impressive considering the short amount of time that they've had, especially considering last year, they, they weren't good for most of the year. Um, you know, as far as Fitzpatrick, yes, I think all of us were like very confused because the timing was weird. 
I think the only thing that, you know, I can say is that I was worried because I, I you know, I was worried that Tua might not be 100% healthy yet. And from what I have heard, he was also kind of worried about that too, but now he's feeling more comfortable. So as long as he stays healthy, then it'll end up being okay. But that that's the thing, you know, the rest of the team is, is picking up so much right now that I, I think as long as that continues, he should be okay. Yeah, and I think the, the ownership change there really forces the, the Dolphins to be a little bit better. They made the changes. They made the coaching change. They acquired to uh, um, they acquired some defensive, uh, you know, patched up some defensive help. They're in the mix in the East right now. They're one uh, one game down from the lead in the AFC East, which you have never we would have never mentioned uh, if Tom Brady had not gone to Tampa Bay. But at this point, uh, they're second. They're in second place. They could take the lead um, this coming weekend if they play well enough down the stretch here. We could see Miami Dolphins, obviously AFC East champs, uh, premature here, but that could happen. Yeah, and and even if they aren't able to get the division, I think they're solid enough to get into the playoffs. And, you know, this year of, of 2020 craziness, you know, um, most teams don't have the ability to have fans, and those that do, you can't have a lot of fans. So home field advantage is a little different. I mean, obviously it's nice that you get to sleep in your own bed and have your routine that you're used to sort of thing. But you're not going to have the the crazy crowd noise like you would normally have to. So the playoff, um, you know, games are going to be a little bit different. So even if you're a wild card team, even if you have to play on the road, I think it's a little different this this year that you don't have to deal with the fans. So even if they're a wild card team, I think they can make a run. All right, we got Las Vegas uh, taking care of business this weekend. The Raiders against the Broncos. Broncos struggling, obviously. New QB, um, you know, Gordon struggling. Um, the whole team's pretty on both sides of the ball, somewhat struggling. So they're going up against Mahomes this weekend. Uh, they didn't play such a hot game against Denver. Do you think they're ready for the Chiefs? Uh, do I think the Raiders are ready for the Chiefs? Yeah. Yes. Um, I think, I think you know, a lot of um, NFL, because the talent level is fairly close on, on most teams, a lot of it can, especially when you're, you're talking about the better teams, a lot of it has to do with the matchups between the two teams. And the way to beat the Chiefs is to keep the ball away from the offense. So if you have an offense that can – keep the ball for long periods of time, have a long, long drive, uh, you know, uh, basically own the, the uh, clock possession and then score points at the end and keep the ball away from the Chiefs. That's how you win the game. You slow the game down. And what do the Raiders do well? They run the ball well. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs has, let's see, 700 yards already and eight touchdowns. And they're often can be very methodical. So that's to their advantage. So the key in this game will be, can the Raiders, when they get into the red zone, can they score seven and not three? Because when you face a team that's as explosive as the Chiefs, you can't settle for field goals. You need seven points at the end. And can you hang on to the ball and not turn it over? If they can do those two things, I think they, they can beat the Chiefs. Now, it's going to be a really good matchup for Las Vegas in terms of a test because this is where they need to really be relevant about it. 
Um, the division race is they're in second place. They're only two games behind Kansas City. So uh, a must win for them, you think? Or if the Chiefs lose, is this kind of like an eye-opening thing for the Chiefs? Or is this is must win for Vegas? That's what I would consider it at this point. Um. I don't know if must-win is the, the best uh, way to describe it. I think it's more um, marquee opportunity because if the Raiders can, um, you know, do the do those couple of things and hang on for a win, then it puts them back on people's radar uh, for a playoff push. If they lose and it's close, I think it, it's still okay. Uh, if they get blown out, that's obviously not a great thing. I think if the Chiefs were to lose, I don't think it's any – I think the Chiefs are fine. <laughs> They're, what, 8-1? and one. If they go to 8-2, and two, I don't think it's a huge deal um, because the Chiefs are a team that if they get the, the top three, great. If they don't, they'll still be fine. Um, so I think it's really an opportunity for the Raiders more than anything. All right. Um, are you, are you uh, somewhat surprised that they're doing this well or – not surprised at all, the Raiders, I meant. Um, um, I would put it this way. I, I'm surprised at um, the fact that Carr is more consistent. Um, I, I think that is the biggest surprise with the Raiders for me, um, that he has improved. Because usually when you when it comes to quarterbacks that have played as long as he, haven't, he has, and he hasn't played forever, but he's, he's played long enough um, – you know, to be in the, the league a few years, they usually kind of get to a plateau and they kind of are who they are. But I've seen growth in him this year. And so that is a good surprise if you're a Raiders fan, that he's become more consistent. He's still not perfect. He still has stuff to work on. But I think as long as he can play at that level, I think that uh, they will be just fine. All right. What do we say of Arizona? Kind of a, you know, they edge, they get the win. Uh, they're going to go up against uh, Seattle. Seattle coming off that loss. Um, big NFC West division game. It will decide, this weekend will decide it. Uh, Rams take care of Tampa Bay. They move into first. Uh, Arizona wins. Uh, they're going to tie, tie in for the, for the top spot. So one of them is going to go in second. The other one's going to be tied for first. So it's really a, a crucial, um, uh, in this division, basically everybody's just kind of neck and neck right now. You know, the Cardinals are a team that going into this year, I thought, and, you know, we were talking about, like, I really think they've improved a lot. And I think that the best word to describe the Cardinals is, is scrappy. Like, they're, they're scrappy, scrappy, scrappy. And, you know, talking about the belief that the Dolphins have in themselves, the Cardinals have that as well, and you can tell. And the Cardinals are interesting because they have a combination of really young talent and then veteran talent and it seems to kind of balance out now i will say um i really don't know what the texans were doing basically handing the cardinals um deandre hopkins because having hopkins uh to throw to i think has really 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 helped uh Kyler murray because uh, now he has his consistent um threat to go to and you know, I think the Cardinals, they also have a really scrappy defense as well. And I think the Cardinals are kind of that team that they're kind of going to be the, the cardiac kids a little bit. 
and that they're going to be up, they're going to be down, and they, they were against the Bills. They were up, they were down, they were up, and they were down. And they did the same thing against the Seahawks a couple of weeks ago. And I think that's just the style of play that they have. Um, and I think um, – but any time, you know, Kyler Murray's out on the field, I think they're very dangerous. And so I think that um, the Cardinals are really scrappy, and I, I really expect them – they're going to be a hard out no matter who they end up playing – no matter if they get into the playoffs or how far they get into the playoffs, they're a team that nobody's going to want to play. Um, so I think they they should be really proud of what they've done so far, and I think they can turn the corner here in the next couple weeks. All right, uh, finish. We'll finish up here. Uh, were you surprised that the Bears are on this huge slide now? Doesn't it doesn't surprise anybody at this point? I think defensively they're okay. No. Offensively they're just a mess. And given their the last what three in a row, four in a row now. Um, even Minnesota, I mean, they did contain Cook, so we have to give them credit defensively. But overall, I mean, are you going to be shocked that they lose next week or the week after? I mean, because they seem like they're just imploding. Well, nobody's surprised. Anybody that's watched the Bears over the last couple of years is not surprised. Um, their defense, I, I think, is still pretty, um, pretty strong. Um, I think that the offense is just not there. And then, you know, Nick Foles, he, he, he really tries, but he didn't have a great game and then he got injured. And then it, it's just, they kind of are who they are. And if they play a team that um, is also not very consistent on offense then their defense is strong enough to, to win in that game. But if they play a team that has offensive weapons then that's when they're going to, um, or has the defensive weapon, then I, I feel like that's when they're going to really struggle. And I think that, um, yeah, they kind of are who they are. And I think the quarterback position is a big question mark. Um, so I'm really curious to see what they do going forward. If they stick with Mitch, if they stick with Nick Foles, if they look in the draft. Um, but I would not be surprised if they look for somebody else for next year. And the history – the Bears history, you've never had a quarterback, right? It's like it's always no. been running backs, uh, defensive players, uh, in terms of like Hall of Famers, in other words. I don't think you've ever had a right. quarterback that's a Hall of Famer in the Bears. There's, there's like certain teams have staples, right? Like uh, certain right. franchises have a certain niche, and they say, okay, this is, this is what our cup of teas are. Like, you know, my Rams have always had a great quarterbacks. We've always had, all the way back to the 60s and 70s, everybody's always had great quarterbacks. Uh, in terms of leadership, you know, San Francisco, to your point, and your team always had a strong, you know, offensive quarterbacking, right? And on top of that, some uh, wide receivers, and you talk about running backs and in, uh, add on defensive players as well. But the Bears have always been that, you know, offensively they've had a running back or that, but they've never had a staple quarterback. So it's kind of like a curse, I guess, if you want to call it in, the, in, in Chicago, <laughs> to actually get a viable quarterback. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> quarterback is uh, is uh, you know, um, is basically the the prize jewel of an NFL team, right? Like if you have your fran- it's either you have your franchise quarterback, you have a mediocre quarterback that you know is not going to be there very long, or you have a young quarterback who's developing and you don't know who they are yet. So, but if you have that franchise quarterback, then you can build around that. 
it's almost like the identity of a team offensively is driven by that position. And so right now, you know, uh, Trubisky was just not very consistent. Nick Foles is also not very consistent in just a different way. Like he has flashes. Um, I think he, he actually operates better when he's the guy off the bench and not as well or not as consistent when he is the consistent starter most of the time. And then, you know, now if Nick Foles can't go for a while, you know, I it's going to be very a very interesting long stretch. Um, but they have talent offensively. They they just don't have anybody that can get them the ball. So we'll see what happens. But definitely the the quarterback position um, has been their Achilles heel this year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, so you guys don't forget to go to the No Drift Football Shop. We got twenty percent off. Three day sale ends on November nineteenth. Tanks, tees, take advantage of uh, the big 20% off. Use Vest, Zass, Gift. Go to our social site there. You get the link, get the code, take advantage of it. Shout out to all our athletes out there. Shallow Phillips, uh, Lexi DeMeo, Des Rodriguez, uh, uh, Alicia Patsky, uh, Ellie Mazzola, and all the other uh, awesome athletes on our social sites on Instagram and on Twitter and on Facebook. So check it out, 20% off up to Thursday. And it really helps our podcast keep us afloat uh, so we can stay on the air as well. And it also helps us spotlight amazing, talented athletes uh, that play women's American football. All right, uh, Holly, uh, college football takeaways this week. So, wow moments. We're right before week 11, even before Saturday, we had one game-winning fake spike touchdown by uh, Western uh, for Western Michigan on Wednesday. There was the late game. Uh, from Iowa and Cincinnati on Friday in controversy. Then came Saturday, we saw uh, some real good quarterbacking by uh, Trask of Florida and Howell of UNC. And then we also had a wild comeback by Tulsa. Uh, So really a little bit of everything on Saturday. So uh, what was some of the games uh, that stood out? I think I wrote down, I think it was uh, Wisconsin against Michigan was one of my top ones that I saw. Yeah, we can we can start with that game. I think you know, with Wisconsin, it's tough because they they haven't been able to play in the last couple of weeks, um, and so uh, Graham Mertz, their quarterback, came back down to earth a little bit, and <laughs> that he wasn't perfect, basically like he was the first game. Um, mm-hmm. But really, what it said is Michigan is in in trouble. I think um, mm-hmm. their identity is just, they're kind of imploding a little bit here. And, you know, so Michigan and Penn State and the Big Ten have just, you know, uh, Penn State lost as well. And they're, I think, like 0-4 or something like that. So those two teams were two teams that people thought were going to be good going into the Big Ten season, and they've just completely imploded. Um, So great win for Wisconsin. Uh, Horrible loss for Michigan. Uh, They definitely, we got to learn who those individual teams are more. I think um, USC beating Arizona was an interesting one. Again, they came from behind. <laughs> they seem mm-hmm. to, so far in the two games they play, that seems to be their identity, not play very consistent the first, like, two, three quarters and then have to pull it out at the end. But they have the talent to do that. So if USC wants to start climbing the ladder, they need to get more consistent. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, let's see, Indiana, Indiana, 
Indiana, Indiana. They are really <laughs> playing incredibly well. And I think that they're a team that, that believes in themselves. And obviously Michigan State is down this year. But I think Indiana is a team that is trying to say, hey, everyone in the Big Ten, we've arrived. So now coming this weekend here. They haven't been since like 67. I, I had to research right. that. Like when was the last time the Hoosiers won their, you know, even a in a minute. top ten? Yeah, it's a minute. They, they've had they've had a few years here and there where they'll go to a, a bowl game, but this mm-hmm. is the best start that I can remember. Now that being said, when you look at their their wins, they they beat Penn State, who ended up being terrible. They beat Rutgers. They beat Michigan, who ended up being terrible, and they beat Michigan State, who's not very good. So they've played extremely yeah. well, but now it gets real because now they play Ohio State this coming weekend. Ohio State, who wasn't able to play this last weekend, so they're a bit rested. So now we get to know, is Indiana really for real, or is this just a, a, an up-and-coming team that's not quite there yet? So that's going to be um, a great matchup, but um, I'm impressed by Indiana and, and their start, cause considering they're a team or a school that uh, uh, is not known for their football. I think they've had a great start. I also think Miami... <clears throat> pulls a, a win at the end again. Uh, they might be um, similar to USC in that they struggle or they get behind early or um, they're behind in the fourth quarter and, and they pull it out. But it, again, I'm going to harp on this like I did the last couple of weeks. Uh, Derek King, um, he's probably not the most sound quarterback, but he mm-hmm. is the quarterback who's not, he's going to refuse to lose. He's going to find a way. He's he's very scrappy. He's very intuitive. And he when his team needs him, he plays better. So I think but Miami the had a really – They were missing a couple players, uh, I think over 12 players. Yeah. So at the same time, it's, you know, somewhat of a blessing, I guess, if they come out with this one-point win. Yeah. Oh, no, it was it, – like, at the end of the day, when you have a team that's, like, in a, in a top five, ten – you're always going to have one or two games a season, especially in like a normal pre-COVID season where you have 12, 13 games, where you have a team that you aren't playing well against. As long as you win those games, that that's what matters. And so at the end of the day, uh, the end of the season, as long as they won, that's what matters. So uh, mm-hmm. I think that they have shown that they're resilient. Um the other one that uh, obviously I was paying attention to was my team, the Oregon Ducks. Um, also a team that struggled. We, I think we had like three turnovers in the first quarter and a half. Terrible, mm-hmm. terrible start. And then we were able to kind of get our feet underneath us. And so Oregon is a team that's extremely talented but extremely young. And so you can look from the difference between last year and this year and we lost Herbert, obviously, and we have a new quarterback and a new offensive system, but we lost a lot of other leadership. We lost our complete offensive line, who last year was the most experienced offensive line in the country. This year, we have the least experienced offensive line in the country, and they're actually playing really well. But then we also lost, I think, three or four captains on defense, so we lost a lot of leadership. And so the problem with the Pac-12 is that because we're starting so late, some of is, you know, um, you know, freshman-type mistakes, younger mistakes, you kind of get out of your system in a normal season in game two or three before you actually get to the meat of your schedule. 
But the Pac-12, in order to try to get into that playoff um, conversation, they're going to have to try to like look like midseason form a lot sooner than you would normally, you know, try to be. So it uh-huh. was a good win for Oregon in that they kind of grew up in the second half. You could see them kind of get their identity more. They ran the ball well. So that was really big for the, the Pac-12, having Oregon and USC still be um, uh, still win and be relevant. Um, and then also, well, I think... If you yes. look at Tulsa, oh, that was a really good game. I mean, you know what I mean? I, yes. I, I was watching that. Really impressive. I mean, they were, like, down, like, big time, like 24 to 7, almost at the half. Mm-hmm. They were really getting crushed. Yeah, Tulsa is a really feisty team. They played, I think it was uh, Oklahoma State in the first game, and, and Oklahoma State mm-hmm. kind of struggled with them, and everyone's like, oh, what's wrong with Oklahoma State? And they, I think it was a combination of Oklahoma State um, having, you know, first game issues. And then also that Tulsa was actually better than people thought. And so that's a huge win for them. And, and again, I really like watching these, um, you know, lower, lower level or like um, uh, underdog type schools when they do well, it's pretty we fun. And also in that, in that conversation yeah. last week. So this is the same, right. like you said before. Yes. And so Cincinnati is a team, you know, they beat uh, East Carolina. Um, you know, and they did it handily, but East Carolina um, doesn't have the horses to run with them. Um, so down the stretch, though, it's going to be interesting because they play uh, UCF uh, this weekend, and UCF's pretty solid. And then they finish with that Tulsa team that we were talking about. So they're not out of the woods yet, uh, but uh, Cincinnati is playing extremely well right now as well. And, uh, you know, uh, speaking of uh Trasso, it's interesting because all of these games for the SEC were canceled last week. You know, we didn't have Alabama L- LSU. We didn't have, you know, um, Texas A&M and Tennessee. And I think Texas, Texas A&M's game this coming week is also canceled. Then Georgia, Missouri was canceled. Like, all the, and Auburn, Mississippi State. So, Florida got, like, a nice little, like, Hey, SEC people, look at us because we're the only ones playing. <laughs> and uh, they played really well, you know, but Arkansas is not a great team, but, you know, still really great win for Florida. Um, and then the final one that I want to point out is Notre Dame uh, beating Boston College. You know, again, that mm-hmm. was an easy trap game considering their big win against Clemson the week before. Um, so they did uh, show maturity enough to handle this game. Uh, so we'll see if they're able to continue that. Um, but a solid win for them as well. Yeah, I thought it was really impressive, them coming back. They did start up really slow, um, but, uh, you know, they they eventually got it, got it going in the second half. They put, I think they put out three touchdowns, eventually putting away um, Boston College. So, um, you know, this, this whole week was uh, kind of like uh, up in the air, different changes, a lot of, uh, you know, close matchups. Uh, we talked about, you know, the last couple of weeks, how all this is going to start to get into a crunch mode as we get towards January and then how the committees are going to assess each team and who's going to get into the, you know, the bowl games and who's going to get into the college uh, football playoff um, discussions at this point. Um, so even though the Pac-12 has started late, as we talked about before, so we won't, we won't know if any of those are going to be serious con- national contenders. 
when they actually, you know, put everything together in terms of uh, the college football playoff mentality. Um, what are we What are we looking forward to this coming weekend? This next weekend, which uh, which two or three key games should we should we be like on watching on the tube since we're hanging out at home due to COVID in California? I I think uh, one of the interesting games uh, that I put out before is Indiana at Ohio State. Um, Ohio State uh, basically had a bye week last week because their game got postponed slash canceled. Um, and Indiana is that upstart team. So we're going to learn a lot about Indiana. Are they real or are they just uh, a team that uh, is improving but not quite there? So that's going to be a, a big game. Um, also, uh, Cincinnati at uh, UCF. Uh, UCF was one of the um, basically darling underdog teams going into the season, but they had a couple losses and um, so we'll see if they're able to play spoiler to Cincinnati or Cincinnati can get by them. Um, also, Wisconsin is at Northwestern. Um, Northwestern's mm-hmm. had a quiet good year. Um, we'll see if Wisconsin, you know, because they're only on their third game because they had a couple games canceled. So we'll see if they're able to play on the road uh, well and, and get that win. Um, also... Let's see, the yeah, Oklahoma State-Oklahoma. State, Oklahoma. Yep. Yes, the Oklahoma State-Oklahoma game is going to be a real interesting dynamic. Um, you know, I think that Oklahoma State still has um, a, a, a chance to get in the conversation for the playoff. They, they can run through everything. Um, they're the Big 12s, I think, one of their final um, shots at that. Oklahoma is playing better than they did early in the year. Um, and, you know, obviously it's a, it's a rival type game and, and that should be interesting. Um, and uh, so I think that's going to be a good game. I think the other one that's, uh, kind of sneaky good is USC at Utah. Utah is the one team in the Pac-12 that hasn't been able to play a game yet. Um, they, this will be their first game. USC has already played two. Um, and USC has proven to be not very consistent early, but also finish well. Then Utah is a team that is, um, you know, considered to be still pretty strong from last year. And so we get to kind of figure out who Utah is. And uh, so basically, you know, we already have games that are postponed. Um, the Georgia Tech-Miami game, the Ole Miss-Texas A&M, Charlotte and Marshall. And I think each week it's just going to be it, – it, it is what it is. Like every day I go online and I'm like, is the Oregon game still on? Is it still on? What time is it? Um, you know, it's going to be crazy. And even in the Pac-12 this last weekend, I don't know if you saw that they had, um, uh, you know, uh, a dynamic happen in the Pac-12 where they had two games that couldn't happen because um, there was one team and one game that couldn't go, but the other one could, and one team that couldn't go in the other game, but the other one could. So they took the two teams that could play and they played each other on Sunday with, like, 48 hours notice. So they're like, okay, well, you can play and we can play, so let's just make it happen. So I think that's just going to be the new normal, as the, the phrase goes for 2020, is that we're just going to have each week a bunch of games that are canceled, postponed. We're going to have a bunch of games that, you know, we create out of the thin air. We're, and at the end of the year, the committee, if they keep the schedule the same, if they don't delay it, they're going to have a hard time because they're going to be like, oh, this team played four games and they're 4-0, but this team played eight and they're 
seven and one and who, which one is better. And then it's going to be really hard for them. And so I've heard a lot of people talking about how in normal years you can get more analytical and you can check like, well, who had the better strength of schedule and what, like, were their key wins and their key losses and what have they had to deal with type of thing. Well, this year it might be more about the eye test. And I think how you win and how you look winning might help some of those teams that will be on the bubble trying to get into the playoffs. Um, so it's going to be just going to be crazy. Now, uh, before we uh, leave you, uh, we got to say uh, co- uh, former WNFC commissioner, uh, Kate Pritchett, Michelle, and also, you know, 2017 Team USA champion, big-time mom, uh, was on ESPN. Uh, her son, I believe it's Keaton, got his first touchdown at ECU. So, big time. She was just all happy. You know, um, I, I know Kate, and she is uh, a dear friend, and it was just – hysterical watching that video and then it was really funny that like it, it went more viral with uh, ESPN because that excitement that she showed is like what every fan that really cares about football they they can relate to that and then on top of it any parent that watches their kid play can relate to that so I think it was just a really great moment and I'm glad that you know that the uh, media people picked it up because considering um the crazy of, of 2020 and all the, the, the uh, dreary and dreadful things that we've had to deal with this year. It's nice to have a moment of joy and to remember that there are moments of joy to be had. And so I think it was a great moment. Yeah. I was reading uh, on Twitter. I think it was, uh, he's like uh mom going, uh, mom going dumb, LOL. I love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't stop smiling. Um, so he was happy in a way, but he's like, oh, my God, you're embarrassing me, right? <laughs> that kind well, of I mean, every every kid that age is like, oh, God, Mom, like, okay, okay. <laughs> you can just drop me off down the block. I, you don't need to drop me yeah. off in front of the school. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nobody needs to know you're my mom. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, you know, she and herself is a badass football player, so you got to give her credit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Gold medalist. And she she does yeah, so many oh, yeah. wonderful things for flag football in Georgia and outside of the realm of things. And um, no, she's she's just badass. Period. So yeah, he should be really proud. Oh yeah, and I I think that you know like we were, were saying before, um, it's it's definitely relatable. And and I think that's what um, it's great about moments like that is because people can relate to it. So yeah, I think it was a great moment and. Um, you know, the kid is really good and I think he, he's yeah. having a great start to his career and, and, and I think, um, yeah, I think it, it was an awesome moment. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's more videos to come. And, 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 you know, I think there's almost something like special about the fact that like your mom has played and she knows oh, yeah. what goes into it. She knows the work that goes into it and you have that connection with her because you play and I think that's really special. And I know that there's other uh, female players and coaches and the administrators that have that connection now with, with their kids. And I think it's great. Yeah. And we have that all over the WFA and the WNFC. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point we're going to have it in the WFLA if that's the case, but even internationally, you know, you have moms that do play 
on the you know full tackle, and they also coach their you know their sons on either youth oh, yeah. or peewee and other things. So to your point, yeah, in some families it is like religion. <laughs> you, yeah, you want to be a doctor? No, you're you're going to be a football player. <laughs> Just like mom and dad now. <laughs> it's like no different now. You, know I mean? you have to wear the pad. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or you could do both. It's so you normal. Can go to, you can go to Stanford and, uh, yep. you know, study medicine and then play football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Holly. So we're going to be uh, keeping tabs on, uh, I believe it's week 12 in college. Uh, we're going to kind of figure out what's going to happen here in week 11. Key matchups Thursday night, Arizona, Seattle in the West. Really tight race there. Three-way tie. Uh, Rams at Tampa Bay on Monday. So that's going to shake up the division a little bit. Then we have Kansas City, Las Vegas on Sunday night to look forward to. So always a pleasure to talk to you. Always uh, uh, grateful for you coming in and give us our insights on college football and the NFL. So um, looking forward to next week and see what we can uh, figure out what happened in terms of the college game because that's getting pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and have a good night. All right, Holly, thank you. All right. right, guys, Hall Hall of Famer, uh, WFA All-Star, also WNFC, uh, Utah Falcons uh, superstar, uh, former of the Seattle Majestics as well, so Holly Custis, and uh, just an amazing uh, uh, feedback. She's always on point. She gives a real honest perspective on not just her team or her favorite teams, but everybody in general. And uh, we appreciate her coming on every week to kind of give us the insights. Uh, I don't dive into college football as passionate as she does. So it's always a pleasure to have her on and kind of dissect college football and give us some of the insights as well. And so that works out really good for us. So let's bring in our X league insider, uh, Nate Ward, who's in the house. Nate, how's it going? I'm doing all right, Oscar. How about yourself? We're doing great. Just got hyped up from NFL NFL Week 10 with the Holly here in college football. So um, let's dive in, uh, Nate, into uh, Week 11. And we just uh, we just talked about it right now. We got Arizona, Seattle, your team up north there. Uh, crucial NFC West here. You got the Rams on Monday night against Tampa. Uh, literally a must win for a loss, for, the, for my Rams because if they want to stay in the hunt. Uh, so NFC West, man, just it's it's a dogfight. Uh, Seahawks, I, I I plead the fifth on honestly. I just yeah, I, we're gonna I, grill you. To you don't get a lawyer. You don't get a lawyer for pleading the fifth. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Oh, no, it's a tough division. It, it's it's gonna yeah. it's gonna be cutthroat the rest of the way, like you said. I mean, the Rams is a must win on Monday to stay in there, but it's just it's it's gonna come down to the wire. When has the NFC never West ever not come down to the wire? In I think really, uh, I think really Holly's point. Uh, Wilson, uh, they're asking him to do a lot. Um, I think it's once you get him in containment or hold him around and uh, you pressure him. Uh, it's less effective. So I think they figured that out. Um, Arizona, uh, to her point, you got Hopkins and a couple weapons there, but Murray is also a, you're able to get to Murray. Um, you got Metcalf and Lockett on the other side. So this is kind of a rebound game in a lot of ways. Uh, they've met before. Arizona took the edge here. This is a sort of a 
you know, a way for Seattle to get a must win after that loss this week. Yeah, there. I I would like to hope it's a bounce back game, but it's going to be tough. And it's it's because I, watching the last two weeks, uh, it, it's been read like an open book offense and defense. Mm-hmm. Like you said, you 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 get to Russ, he's just it's just gobbled up. And you know this is I I would say this is also a do or die game and a do or die week for Seattle because unless they can regroup and show something against a tough opponent and Arizona as we saw before with the overtime game is a tough opponent I I, I don't know where where their season goes from there because they are yeah, I mean, not steady the right Bills now. really got surprised. Uh, they thought they had it in the bag. I think it was a minute 35 or something like that. And so they get mm-hmm. beat. And uh, I thought for sure, I was like on FanDuel, and I'm thinking everything's good to go. Arizona loses. Seattle's going to lose. And, boy, are we in first place, right? And then I got turned uh-huh. around, and somebody tells me, hey, Arizona won. What? And I was like, man, Whoa. I was about to celebrate. Like first place. But, no, it didn't happen. Nah. Not in this circumstance. No, so it was, it was still time on the clock. Oh. Nate, what do you what do you say of Kansas City Vegas? Looking forward to that. Um, we talked about Carr it is kind of a must win for the Raiders, I guess. I I would say, but uh, Holly's saying probably just a key win if they get it against Kansas City. I would say just a key win, and I would say it would be a fortunate win considering, you know, considering Mahomes' numbers right now and how he's performing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be an uphill battle. I, I personally think it's going to be a good game. I, I don't expect, like, blowout caliber quality from Kansas City, but, you know, there there is a lot more favoritism leaned over onto Kansas City than there there is there is Vegas. So, I mean, if Vegas can get the win and get lucky on that one, good on them. It'll be a good uh, momentum boost. And if not, well, then it's the Chiefs. What are you going to do? I, I want my defense to play balls out. I want, you know, Ramsey and company to take down TV 12. And I want, it a, I want an impressive win by the Rams. And I, I hope they come out on the road and take care of business because – they're going to up, they're going to up against uh you know Antonio Brown, Gronkowski, Evans uh and I hope our defense doesn't have a letdown like they did in San Francisco in, in that regard cuz I will just be so pissed. Oh, I could see it manageable. I mean, we saw what the Saints did to them and they had, you know, half the caliber that you know the Rams or the Buccaneers have. So you see you foresee my Rams winning? I hope so because that's what I'm hoping for, but I do. Uh, strange I do. things happen. I'm saying, uh, I do. I do. I'm saying, I'm, I'm seeing that they have the caliber, they have the talent, and if you're kind of on par or a little bit above the Saints, we saw what they did. I'm imagining what the Rams can do. Yeah, I hope that's the case because that's going to be a pretty good game. I, I think it'll be back and forth in some instances, um, but it could be a good mm-hmm. game. Um, Nate. Tennessee off a loss, Baltimore off a loss. They got to they got to they got to do something here. Um Baltimore is at 6 and 3, obviously 
They're in second place in their division because uh, Pittsburgh is undefeated. But Tennessee is in a neck-and-neck with Indianapolis, especially after Indy beat them. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I'm just bringing up my standings here. Uh, you know, Titans, they, you know, they kind of start out their struggles. We saw the the whole thing with, uh, you know, getting in trouble with the league with a few things, but they, they overcame it. They've overcome a few hurdles, and yeah, it'd be nice to see them on top of the AFC South. It's been a while, but, you know, you're hanging neck and neck with the Colts. I consider yourself lucky. And then Ravens, well, I love my Ravens. <laughs> We'll put it that way. Well, you know, Jackson is still a good quarterback. I just don't think, like to, to Holly's point, uh, they're not they're not helping him much receiver wise. And then this past game, obviously, there was the weather factor wow. as well. So, but right. uh, overall, I mean, they have some talent. It's just they either dropping balls, they're not consistent in what they're doing, or they're getting to him too fast, and the offensive line is not holding enough. And so right. there's, I think that's where Baltimore's having issues. Not just the, that he's not talented; it's just uh, sort of the no. same situation where Russell gets into a situation where right. the oh, offensive line gets overpowered, and then your receivers are covered. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah, it, it's it's that split second decision aspect, and the fact that if your your guys are crowded, you know, you've got nowhere to go. You've got the talent; it's just the execution, and you know. Jerry, uh, do you think uh, you think Aaron Rodgers will uh, be competitive against uh, Indianapolis? And is Indianapolis going to get a surprise by Green Bay going, you know, maybe, or is it? Or are we going to be surprised that Indianapolis? We picked me and Matt picked Tennessee last week, thinking you know Henry and company were going to take it over. But should we go with the Packers this this week, or should we stick with what the Indianapolis showed us this past week? Oh wow! Um, I mean, I'm going Colts. I'd, I'd like to see them, you know, get get to Rodgers. Like, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. The Colts are really good. I mean, I have to give them credit. So if they can get yeah. to Rodgers, we could. I w- I'm with you on that. I think Indy probably gets an opportunity to to win it here, and then it would put them in first place if somehow Baltimore decides to beat Tennessee. Right, right. Well, like I was going to say, you know, Rodgers is Rodgers. He manages to, you know, do something spectacular, surprises every week. I mean, the, we can consider the two losses in their column a, a fluke, knowing him. You know, mm-hmm. you're talking about a guy that gets injured and then comes back and miraculously pulls off, you know, the late third, fourth quarter miracle and whatever. So, no, I'm pulling for Indianapolis on this. You know, if that defense can get to him, then, you know, that's fun. <laughs> uh, Nate, what do we say? Miami for real? Uh, me and Holly said yes, real. I think Flores has done a great job. Defensively, they've, they've, they're stout, especially after beating the West. And we thought, they, you know, the West teams were mm-hmm. going to be way good. And, and now they go up against Denver. So I, I kind of feel bad for Denver because Denver's been somewhat not great. And so uh, this puts Miami, if they win this week, uh, that puts Miami at seven and three, tied for first in the AFC East. So we've ne- we would have never been saying that in the last year or year and a half. We wouldn't have them. And like like you said, the, I mean the organization top to bottom has done an incredible job. Um, Denver, uh, 
is is non-existent word for their season right now. I mean, I, I do feel bad for them because yeah, Dol- Dolphins are going to get this one. There, there's no way around it. Their their execution has been incredible, and I just I've really all the way around. I can't even pinpoint one guy. I've loved what I've seen all the way across the board, and they are. I, I agree with you guys. They are for real. This is this is yeah. for real, and I'm interested to see where the season goes for them. Now, you, you, I was telling Holly they made an ownership addition, changes to the ownership before that, before this COVID thing. They flip it and get the Tua right. Then they mm-hmm. shut down. Uh, they, they shut down Fitzmagic, and they go, "We're going with our investment." Right? It's really the attitude. They change coaches, and they put you know they give Brian Flores the opportunity. Brian Flores brings in real nice defensive. Uh, coach as well so um coach of the year honor is probably here if he wins the division i would give it to him because if you can you know i know that i know i know you know i know new england's on the downswing this year and it looks like they're probably uh on the upswing given their opportunity to go to the playoffs but uh, as we stand right now i think this is the story of the year in terms of the coaching in terms of the turnaround um if Tua can get the Dolphins into the playoffs. Even if they don't win the division, they get into the playoffs. It's that's very impressive. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, it ignited a spark. I mean, I know there was a lot of people going, "Well, you know, but Fitzpatrick's the 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 um, the veteran and this stuff." No, and and the fact that you know. I think the fact that there was a lot of doubters of, of Tagovailoa, despite his abilities with Alabama, what we saw in his college performance, I, I think that ignited a fire, and I think we've seen that in him since that first start moving forward. Uh, I think he's he's earned the spot, and I think the connection he has with, um, with the team, with the coaching staff, and I think the connection the the, the new um, leadership has made with the team has really helped. I know. I noticed you threw New England in there. Their only saving grace is the fact that Jets can't find their own feet. That's <laughs> true. The only reason the Patriots are in this whole thing is because the Jets can't find, you know, their own, you know, other right foot. They're left-footed right now, and that's all. That's so true. <laughs> that's so true. You're right. That's so true. It's like they're uh, they're technically in the cellar, anyways, because if you consider the Jets non-existent. <laughs> I'm just right. kidding. Um, I, I feel bad for Jets fans. I really do. It just it sucks. You I know? Do too. It's almost like the Browns, yeah. you know, for so many years. You wish, you hope, right. and every year is the same crap. It's just the way it is. Um, but exactly. you know, what are you going to do? Uh, come over and be a Rams fan. That's my suggestion. Just come over. Yeah. Come on over to the <laughs> NFC West. Jump can always use more fans, folks. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> come on and be a Seattle fan or a Arizona Cardinals fan or right. a Niners fan. All right. Maybe not a Niner fan, but you don't want to. Maybe not a Niner fan. Too far. Too far. (laughs) Sorry, Holly. All right. Uh, um, Atlanta, New Orleans. So this is it right here. Um, The Falcons have (laughs) – do I want to say the Falcons have life? They start off bad. (laughs) They started losing horribly. And so somehow they've found a little bit of life now. So they're not they're not horrible. They're, they've kind of revived themselves a little bit. Um, New Orleans seven and two. Tampa taking on L.A. this weekend. Uh, division division game here. Uh, must win for the Saints to stay in contention with Tampa Bay, or is it must win for Atlanta to sort of 
you know, start getting into the race mentality for a wild card. It's it's a it's a must win for Atlanta and it's a test of endurance for the Saints because as we recall, word came out the other day that Drew has a myriad of injuries and the reason why we didn't see him the second half of this weekend's game. So mm-hmm. I I my money's leaning more on the Falcons because I don't know that I've seen too much of the the Saints backup quarterback because it's all been it's all been Drew. So it's good. that's going to play an interesting factor. Uh, into this game, and it's not. And that also screwed up my Fanduel lineup. They screwed up my Fanduel lineup just to make a point for everybody. Wasn't a happy camper on this side. Drew mm-hmm. Brees. Mm-hmm. What happened? They say it was over two games, but I want to say it was on the, the the one hit that did him in this this past weekend. Yeah, because yeah. I saw yeah, that yeah. hit, and it just was like, really? <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was uh, probably probably wise for them to sit him down for a game or two. It'd just be the right thing to do. I mean, they're still up in the division. It's not like they're, you know, in a mediocre five and four or whatever, that kind of deal. They're still seven and two. If they lose one game, it's not going to be like a, you know, big devastating thing or anything like that. So I I would say that would be the right decision to do at this point. You still have, you know, seven more weeks to play. So it's not like you really need to. You know, every win. I mean, you know, you want to win every game, but at the same time, it's like you got to think about making the playoffs and then maybe having a durable quarterback. All right, exactly. Um, I think I have. That's pretty much it for the matchups coming this week. Um, like I said, Arizona, Seattle should be a great one. You can follow us on Twitter on Thursday nights with everybody that follows us on Twitter. All the sixty-seven hundred folks on Twitter. I really appreciate everybody going to Twitter. Uh, we're having a great time on Thursday nights on Twitter at Gridiron Beauty. Uh, amazing uh, fans on at, at Gridiron Beauty that follow us. And also, uh, we'll be uh, at the hashtag, of course, AZ versus SEA. Also on Monday night, uh, LAR uh, versus TV. So you can follow us on Monday nights as well. And we'll be at Gridiron Beauty on Twitter. So thanks, everybody, for following us over there and having a great time. All right. Um, don't forget to uh, big three-day sale, 20% off at Zazzle. Uh, the Zazzle shop, zazzle.com forward slash Grand Beauties at the No Joke Football Shop. Take advantage of tanks and tees, 20% off, really under 20 bucks. You get a real nice tee and tank. Support our podcast, keeps us afloat as well. And then don't forget to go to Monkey Night Fight on Thursday and Monday night and Sunday night, monkeyknifefight.com. Use the code NJF. You get 100% match up to $50, minimum deposit of $10, and you can play all the type of games that are there. So monkeyknifefight.com, check it out and use code NJF. All right. So let's talk about, uh, talk about what's happening at the hub. Um, this week, I think it's going to be the, uh, I was taking a look at, uh, Sam Gordon still doing the situation where she's taking the, uh, situation to court. I believe it was, um, you know, for the Utah girls, um, situation, which is uh, trying to get all the high schools in regards uh, to, you know, do tackle football just like you do with the boys. And so she's obviously with her dad at this point. They're uh, suing several of the Utah school districts and the state high school athletic or associations. Uh, they're alleging violations of Title IX and the Equal Protection Clause of the U.S. Constitution by not providing girls tackle football as an interscholastic sport. 
So um, we're going to try to get Sam on next week or the week after. So I did I did uh, text her, and she was very kind to text us back and says she's going to try to make the time for us. So we're going to get clarity on that, uh, Nate. But this is a big deal, especially for not just for Utah, but it's a big deal for you know every everywhere across uh, across the country, especially in the U.S. Yeah, and I'd be what I'd be interested in is you know what what are the numbers, what are the stats to say that there is really any violation or unfairness? Because like up up here in the state of Washington, I can't tell you how many teams I work with that there's a good percentage of girls playing. And granted, it's you know it, it is intergender, but at the same time, they are getting their fair chance to play. Now, I say numbers because I just you know I I appreciate I admire the effort and I appreciate her going forth to try to do that. But at the same time, is there really enough girls in the school systems to make a full? And I know as they get older, we see plenty of them at the pro level and some at the semi-pro, but, you know, it, it, would there be enough to do that? And then what happens after after that when they start getting into college? You know, there's still that whole issue of a drop-off point, and then you go off to college and you got to pick something else and then maybe continue it afterwards. So there's so many different variables think, that I love to hear Nate, about. Do you feel like if we get this in Utah, I know there's – to your point, yes, numbers. There are some states, Florida, California, um, you know, larger states. There's some states that obviously have the numbers. So the the reality is, there, you know, in Utah, they're they're uh, stating that they do have numbers. You know what I mean? There, there's enough participation. There's enough right. uh, uh, enough girls to make squads, right? To for them to field uh, tackle teams. So I don't know if it's a case. On, in 50 states, in other words. So I don't think I don't think the suing thing is all 50 states are required to have it. I think there's going to be right. some sort of uh, you know issue where you have to revisit those numbers. As to your point, because there's no need for you programs if you don't have the capacity to field a team, right? But at the same time, right. you have the drawback, right? There's no survey, right. no assessment, because most of the girls that are playing girls. soccer, basketball, or other sports probably have never considered football because football was never an option, right? So there's still like a lot of, you know, logistics, uh, feedback. There's still a lot of things that uh, certain school districts have to assess, right? And then we also have the parent thing, right? right? Certain parents exactly. probably don't want girls to play tackle football because of the, you know, the concussion issues and things like that. So maybe that sways them. So uh, as yeah. to uh, Dion Lee's uh, situation, one of the reasons he's more passionate about doing flag football nationwide because that's a starting point and maybe it becomes such a passionate thing for certain girls that they elevate themselves to tackle. So in Utah, given the fact that the league's been successful for over what, seven years now, I think the numbers Mm -hmm. probably are there. You know what I mean? For them to have a dispute about it. That's fair. Yeah. That makes sense. Cause I think you, to your point, you have to have the, the interest, right? That's your point. Uh, you're not going to force a school district just to put up, a, you know, a, a tackle football, a girls tackle football program if there is no sustainability in terms of numbers, right? So that's right. going to be the, a concern in certain areas. But specifically here in Utah, I think the school districts and the state athletic associations are being forced to view and assess the fact that we do have a um, girls 
football league that has been running for so many years that there is an opportunity now, okay, maybe uh, certain districts should start fielding, you know, an optional tackle football team on the girls' side, as an example. Right. Right. So we're gonna get we're gonna get all the rundown. Hopefully, uh, obviously, she can't disclose everything that's in the lawsuit, but you can go to yep. uh, the pages there to get the information. But uh, we hope we'll get uh, Sam Gordon, the talented and viral sensation Sam Gordon, uh, here n- next week or the week after, and so she can Please. give us some of the lowdown, and we can ask her some questions and give us her perspective. Um, she's obviously a trailblazer. Uh, she's the one that started the whole thing with her parents and other people, Chris Sacco. And so, uh, you know, a pioneer for uh, girls football in the United States says a lot about her. She's almost, I think she's almost 17 now, right? Or close to almost 17. So close she's getting up it, there. In, yeah. So, you know, she's been doing it for a long, long time. And this is one of her passions. Mm-hmm. And uh, to quote her before, that's definitely a legacy I want to start and hopefully finish. She means, trying to get girls tackle football nationwide and in high schools. So uh, she obviously is driven. I'm a fan. There, there's no doubt about it. I've, I've followed her since I first heard about her years ago. So it's, it's amazing to see where she's come and what her goals are and her objectives are. I love it. Yeah. So we're, hopefully we'll get Sam Gordon in uh, next week, Tuesday or the following Tuesday. Uh, and we'll get her here and we'll kind of dive into the, uh, you know, t- talented, uh, after that she is an amazing woman that she's growing up to be and we'll get her feedback on that in terms of what's going on in utah with that uh, legal battle and so we'll get we'll get dive, dive into sam gordon in the next uh, podcast either 348 or 349 so looking forward to chatting with her uh also the news was wnfc teams up with uh, team she she is for their pay it forward campaign paid forward by entering uh your sports fan your favorite sports fan for a chance to win a variety of fun and autograph merchandise from across all women's sports. Uh, so there's merchandise you can get from, um, I believe it's Liz Sowers autographed jersey. So if you enter nice. there, you can get that on top of other uh, female athletes that you can get. So details at sheisport.com forward slash donate. So you can go there and you can get it at the WNFC is uh, partnering with them. All right. Uh, what else do we have? Let me see here. Let's go into let's walk into uh, women's uh, the recaps. So we'll go into so we get that going here. Uh, Gridiron New South Wales. Uh, we got week uh, what is this? Week five, going into week six. Week six. Mm-hmm. Week five. Week six. So week six uh, was November fourteenth. The one in three Sydney Lions struggling really bit, bad this year. Some numbers issues as well. Uh, the champs, the North Sydney Rebels. Uh, 44 to zero, big big win there. Uh, they improved the two and two on the season. Then you had CC the CC Sharks uh, with our our, our Noja football athlete Aliyah Karmali, and then on the uh, on the uh, UNSW Raiders we have Sh- uh, Shiloh Phillips as well as Renee Hahn. So CC Sharks 32 to zero over the UTS Giants, also struggling Oof. all year with some issues. So uh, a lot uh, two blowouts. In this uh, week six matchup, UTS drops to 0 and 4, not having such a great season in 2020. Uh, 1 and 3 Sydney Lions after a great year last year. Uh, the the champs continue at 2 and 2. They're somewhat struggling. They're not as as uh, impressive as they were last year. And uh, the uh, CC Sharks 3 and 1, 
So coming off last week, week five, CC Sharks were 12 and 0. They barely edged uh, uh, Sydney Uni. Sydney Uni obviously uh, struggled this week against a better team in, in uh, North Sydney. And then the UNSW Raiders 42 to six over the UTS Giants. So this coming weekend, uh, Nate, it's going to be really interesting. November 21st, we got the Raiders undefeated 4 and 0 taking on Sydney Uni uh, 1 and 3. Uh, it's going to be a really big hurdle for uh, the blue and yellow, the Lions, to try to overcome um, this uh, the return of the Raiders basically this season as a staple team, and they're doing they're doing fantastic so far. The standings speak for themselves, and then the matchup speaks for itself. Uh, we're separating the women from the girls, to borrow the the phrase, men from the boys. Um, God, that's that's not going to be a hurdle. That's going to be a whole wall. <laughs> it's going to be tough. And then uh, the the run game's really good for the Raiders. Uh, they've mm-hmm. been playing really good ball defensively. They uh, all season. I think. Uh, what do we go back to um, against the champs? The week one against the champs, it was twenty-two to zero. They took care of North mm-hmm. Sydney. So it's kind of a wake-up call for the Rebels. And then I think uh, was the other game that they had on here. And let me uh, break it down here. 30 to zero, they took care of CC Sharks, which at this point mm-hmm. is their their two most competitive rivals. So this week they're taking off Sydney Lions. They would go to five and zero on the season, and they're literally blowing up a lot of people. And then the next game is CC Sharks, which is three and one, and they're going to take on North Sydney rivals. So this is a clash mm-hmm. of first and second place in week seven. And the last the last time, I don't know if they met in season. I mean, let me double check the schedule here. No, so this is their first. This is their first uh, matchup of the season, and both of these teams are battling for second place. So that's pretty interesting. That's going to be fun. I can't wait. That one will be exciting. So we'll, we'll see if the Sharks can overcome Sydney Rebels, or are we looking at the Rebels with another win? So it's really impressive. Both teams, uh, 44-0 last week against uh, on the win. Sharks 32 to zero. They both had shutouts, so it's going to be an interesting battle there for both teams at this point. We got about I think two weeks left in the season. Uh, two, uh, actually one week, one week left after this in the season. So it's going to be uh, the final weekend. Uh, I think the final weekend it's going to be the November 28th, and then you got December 5th, and then we're going to get the Opal Bowl, um, the championship. So really crucial matchup here uh, for CC Sharks and the North Sydney Rebels to try to get themselves situated in terms of a playoff positioning and who's going to be going to the championship and then who's going to be in the, in the consolation game, which is the three and fourth position. Uh, go to WA. We haven't talked about WA because uh, they just kicked off. So Western Australia, the season did kick off week one, October 31st. Uh, Rockingham Vipers uh, keep it going from last year. Really impressive year last year. They route uh, West Coast Wolverines 44-0. to a really, really impressive win by them. And then Perth Broncos, 34-18 to against the Curtin Saints, also coming out of the blocks. Really impressive uh, wins. Uh, week two, it was Perth Blitz, the battle, 26, Curtin Saints, 22, uh, rebound. So the Curtin Saints, uh, I want to just give a shout-out to them. They're, they're playing really good defensively. They're, uh, they're maintaining – uh, you know, all of their matchups so far under 20 points, just a, a situation where they got to get a little bit more 
uh, offense, uh, offensive scoring, and they will be in these matchups. So 26 to 26 to 22, Curtin Saints uh, get edged in week two. Uh, also, Swan City Titans uh, get routed by the Rockingham Vipers, 52 to zero. So Nate Rockingham from last year to this year haven't lost anything. I believe they got uh, uh, some of some of their players from last year back, from my understanding. So they haven't lost a beat here. They are probably the team to beat right now through two weeks. Uh, last This past mm-hmm. week, uh, they get a bye week, and then they're coming off next week, the 21st. They're taking on Curtin Saints again. So um, we'll see uh, how the Saints fare up at this point. Uh, Curtin Saints did come off a win, 24-22 uh, in week three against West Coast Wolverines. Shout out to the Wolverines for actually uh, putting up 22 points versus getting routed in week one. So, you know, really impressive uh, rebound for them. They get the, the bye week in week two, and then they kind of rebound and almost get the win. So shout out to uh, the West Coast Wolverines there in WA. So what do you say to these Curtin Saints? I mean, it looks to me like they're, they're competitive. They're just not scoring enough to, you know, get these wins. So we'll ho- hopefully uh, they can stay competitive with Rockingham because they are high-powered. Yeah, it'll be interesting. You know, like like you said, they they do look competitive. It's just it, there's just that last little bit, that little stretch towards the finish line. But it, you know, it's it's still early. Like we said, they're they're just getting off. So there's there's time to improve. There's time to grow. And you know, it's better it's better to be coming up just slightly short than getting completely blown out. So I think I think they can grow. I think they can learn. And and in this matchup, I think they can keep up. I, I don't I don't see it being I don't see it being a bad game I see it being pretty close and um, maybe they can figure I think it out. The they Saints can take have it a will to put defen- a defensive good stance on it. I don't know if they'll win, but uh, if they can keep Rockingham to under twenty points, you know, in yep. that sense, and they can put up another twenty or so, uh, it will be a win for them anyways, even if it's a loss because they're going to keep exactly uh, rotten. The Vipers really. Like I said, the Vipers are on all cylinders. I think it's uh what ninety seven to zero. They have outscored everybody so far, so oh. they are just like just murdering people at this point. They're just giving it all. Um, the battle of undefeated will be in week four in WA. So on City against West Coast Wolverines. So one of them will get a win this weekend. They will get a W. One will get a W. So uh, shout out to both of them for their efforts mm-hmm. so far, but uh, one of them is going to get a W this weekend. Good luck to both of them. May the best team win. It's going to be a very, very good matchup. We've seen how they both can perform, and uh, they'll, 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 they'll bring their best to the table. I'm excited to watch that game. It's really, really awesome. Uh, WA is going to be this weekend. Rock, uh, Rockingham Vipers taking on uh, Curtin Saints. Go to the hub, facebook.com forward slash Curtin Beauties. It is the place to be. It is the number one source on Twitter. It is the best source on Facebook and ultimately the best network on the planet. Right, Nate? You can't go anywhere else. You got to go to the hub. Got to go to the hub. Nowhere else is better. The hub is where it's at. And if, you're, if you haven't figured it out, I mean, I don't know where you're, what, you're, what you're up to, like Max says. What, what are you doing? I don't know what you're doing. Yeah, what are you doing? Um, shout out to the Detroit Dark Angels. Uh, they were welcomed to the Zenith Factory 
uh, checking out, giving, uh, providing some feedback on some new Zenith products. So uh, WFA getting ready for 2021, getting their teams involved, um, and Zenith really interested in terms of how can they mod- uh, provide some products and some fittings and some uh, apparel that will be obviously uh, female-friendly for female athletes to play in, uh, in tackle football because the majority of the stuff is made for men. So kind of unique mm-hmm. in that sense if Zenith can come up with something uh, more for the uh, sport, the women's tackle side sport, and uh, the apparel being a lot more uh, relative to female need. That's awesome. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, Zenith as a whole company has been making strides and got to put the the long-term guys like Riddell and Rawlings and those guys to shame. I'm really excited to see what they come up with when I heard that they were, they were partnering up and looking to, to, to make some female friendly gear. I, I was super stoked. In fact, I think I did a little dance around the room because I can't think of a better company than Zenith to partner up with them. I mean, they would own the market, don't you think? They'd own they the market. Would. Totally. I mean, that's that's instantly 3,000 football players just in the U.S. alone, and you're talking worldwide. They would literally own a market. They would have the niche of the market. So uh, very, very wise for them to try to mm-hmm. you know incorporate the WFA and its uh, its uh, members and its athletes as well and it's, uh, into a survey feedback and, and try to model some of that gear to better fit uh, the female athlete, uh, and then obviously giving them an advantage, and they are going to be more explosive. If they feel more comfortable in a fitting apparel for them, they obviously could be more competitive, and it's going to be a more explosive game, especially for the league brand. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 awesome. All right. Um, the other news we got uh, was breaking today. Uh, WNFC Alabama Fire announces Coach Tony Fuller pioneer uh, and 2017 gold medalist team USA will lead the Alabama fire into the 2021 campaign. Uh, Coach Fuller has played in various leagues in the past store career and also coached in high school ranks. Uh, so Alabama looks to stay more competitive in the tough Eastern conference. So Nate, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I know Fuller knows Jenkins. I know Fuller knows everybody in the East coast conference, right? Atlanta, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Phoenix, right? They all know each other, so this is going to be pretty pretty cool. <laughs> so I even texted her back. I said, uh, uh, "I guess you're eyeing the elite Spartans <laughs> that you're going to Alabama right? <laughs> from, from Atlanta, you know." Oh my And she goodness. said, I'm, "She says I'm coming for OJ." So there you go. She's, I'm coming for oh. OJ. So she's okay. not. She's not. She's not a. She, she's going to coach his team. She's not out just to, you know, just to give, oh, we're going to play well. I mean, obviously, you got to shoot for taking down the big dogs, right? You got to. She's out for blood, and I like it. It's, it's going to be fun. I'm, hap- I'm happy that they they, they, they picked her up, and uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting season. I can't wait to see how this new look team, this team looks under, underneath her. And, uh, I'm ready. She wants to go after the big dogs. Go for it. And she played with uh, Atlanta last year, so she knows what uh, Texas Elite is all about. Yeah. So that's really – and then I I think it makes it competitive, right? Because they own that conference. Year one, they own the conference. It's really nice to have, you know, uh, Atlanta improving, 
you got uh, what do we have? Prodigy on that side now that came on board. You got the Phantoms that came on board. Um, Alabama obviously is going to be compared. so. I mean, this Eastern this Eastern Conference in WNFC is going to be very, very, uh, very good, <laughs> and we don't know who's going to upset the champs. There's got to be somebody who's going to upset, upset right. the champs because I mean everybody's probably eyeing the champs. It's <laughs> just the way it is. It's like they got to take down Texas. You know, everybody's looking at Texas right. as their benchmark now. Oh, it's going to be. I just. I'm speechless. Uh, it's a, it's going to be a, a, a stacked division, and it's going to be a lot lot of fight between all those teams. And yeah, Texas, you know, target on their back, big target on their back. It's going to be fun. And so uh, let's give a shout out, okay? Uh, we always kind of like, okay, uh, you know, Mac comes in here, runs her mouth like normal because that's customary for her to yep. do it, right? The salty one. Right. He comes in here, it's just like a Mack truck, and takes no bull from nobody. <laughs> just really just yeah. crushing it. Um, and I will have to say that, you know, we do get more uh, listeners when she's on for some reason. <laughs> Not Gee, I wonder why. Us. Wonder why. <laughs> uh, I think everybody hates Dallas. That's probably why we get more listeners. Like, well, they want to li- listen to <laughs> what she has to say about Dallas. Dallas who? <laughs> uh, Dallas what, yeah. Um so Mac, this week, uh, let's just let's give her some due, okay? Uh, long gone, long, long gone are the days of relying on natural athletic ability and only training there during practice, okay? And she is one of those people that just even during COVID has stayed on, try to stay on course, try to get somebody to keep her on course, and you know really stay in training mode to get ready for 2021. And this girl. Um, and I tweeted it out, and I posted on our Facebook. Uh, deadlift 385 pounds, and bench press 190 pounds. Okay, she is more man than I am, Nate. I will second <laughs> if that. you want to say. <laughs> I don't think I could do 385, I and I don't even I think I can get to the 190. Period. So, um, Matt, shout out to her. All right, UPA Huge national record holder. Women's raw elite bench press and deadlift. Uh, deadlift is now 385 national record. Bench press is now 190. Okay, uh, I don't know what she's eating or what she's training with. Uh, a little bit of salty there, but she did get a record. Yeah. So I, I can't wait for next week when she comes back and see what her reaction will be. Uh, it'd probably be no excuses. It's just like, that's the way it is. This is how I roll. Right. I, I'm pretty sure we're going to get that line. Yeah, I can't I can't wait. The, you're probably right. I'll probably just see, you know, that's how I roll. That's how it is, you know. So, congratulations to Mac. I mean, she is just killing it. Uh, what an amazing Props. feat. Yeah, what, what an amazing feat. I mean, just, uh, I don't know, deadlift 385? My God, I don't oh. even think I can do 120. Like, I'll give it. I'll, I'll see your 120 and go down to 100. Jeez, seriously. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's just impressive, impressive. So, uh, Mac, if you're listening, way to go. We're so proud way of you. Go. Awesome job. Way to go. Just kicking ass. Look at that. Mm-hmm. And I, I know her dad would be so proud. I know her dad's not here with us anymore, oh, but absolutely. I know he would. I, he would be so stoked and proud. 
so beyond proud. Just awesome. So um, if you haven't checked it out, you go to the Hub. And if you were at the Hub, obviously you know about it. So you would know first, right, because you're at the Hub. So right. it would be right there. And she's right there. So shout out to our powerlifting champion, uh, our co-host, the salty one, Mackenzie Brooks of the uh, WNFC Nebraska Nighthawks. So a uh, national uh, record holder for women's raw elite bench press and deadlift. Wow. So awesome. Wow. Too cool. Yeah. So keep keep an eye out for uh, more things to come from her, I presume, because she's not going to quit right there. <laughs> I think she'll be, no way. she'll be doing some impressive things. So, um, so we were talking about the East Coast and uh, uh, WNFC East Coast, right? I, I think that's one of the teams we've got to watch out for considering she's now doing 385 and 190, uh, I think, uh, you know, they're eyeing the elite as well. So that maybe they're coming with muscle. Nail on the head. Uh, Y'all better be ready because you're going to be dealing with a salty one, and that's not going to be pretty. Yeah, you know what? If if we get, like, Aaron Donald-like, from Mackenzie Brooks in 2021. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, watch out. Hey, I'll call it out right now. I don't even know who's going to be the quarterback, but it just sounds great. Watch out Bushman in in Texas elite. Okay. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Watch out Bushman. All right. So I don't even know who's going to quarterback the the, the elite Spartans, but if it's Bushman, watch out Bushman. Look out. Just coming. You know what I mean? I think she's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Nighthawks, uh, shout out to you guys for having an awesome athlete, uh, amazing co-host that she's always here on the dial and speaking her mind, always vocal, and that's what she's at. So, watch out for the Mack Truck in 2021, and congratulations on her powerlifting honors as well. So, awesome, awesome. All right, uh, Nate, I don't know, uh, unless you got X-League Insider News, um, we're going to be out here in a couple minutes. So, do you got anything that – Tidbits or anything? Uh, I I I think the the only thing is is in looking at some recent photos from practice. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I do not believe they were the uh, shut shoulder pads we were promised some weeks ago. They are the full shoulder pad, but they're not the uh, big name brand, high caliber. You know everything but the kitchen sink we were promised. What else is new? So you're disappointed. Is that what you're saying? Uh, a little bit. I mean, they 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 look stellar, and I, I have to do some research on the on the the company they got, or maybe it is a series by Shed. I don't know. I just noticed that they they weren't like you know direct brand name on the shoulders like you would normally expect. Sure. But they also they also did announce that um, they will have a black alternate, which looks amazing. Um, and schedules out. Tickets are on sale now. Uh, Going to be very different, very different with with the, the the distancing outlook. I think, like for example, Seattle up here, um, it's like every four rows there's like twelve seats available. So it's going to be it's going to be bizarre. I think the most bizarre I saw. I think I sent it to to the the um, podcast team. Is there's one where it's just the end zones. It's no center exactly. stuff. It's yeah. just the end zones. Yeah. Uh, which makes sense, so, I guess. That's probably a better view, anyways. But that's true. I mean, the arena decides that, I guess, in a way. Yeah. I mean, and then, and and you still have to get the seating. I mean, they they can't survive like the NFL. I mean, they just don't have the money. No. 
They they can't just no. go, okay, empty empty stadium, we'll put the players out there. You know what I mean? It's just not happening. They just can't do it. Right. they got to have intake. So I think it's going to affect a lot of teams, too, in every uh, other sports. I know uh, yeah. the National Women's Soccer League is struggling also to try to, you know, figure out how they can put fans in the stands. The, the, the National Women's Hockey League is also trying to maneuver ways to, you know, still bring in fans in the stands. So uh, I think every, every league's affected, but I think the women's sports scene is probably hurting yeah. a lot more than the men's side in a lot of ways because most of the major leagues in men's sports, you know, can take a year loss. Where in the women's sports, there is no – you can't do it. There's no way you can do it. There's even uh, there's no even on the professional, that. exactly. And even if you have sponsors, um, even those, you know, that money isn't enough, you know, for for a whole season. You know what I mean? Right. Sometimes it just pays yeah. for certain things. So it's gonna be a struggle mode in that regard. Um, well, no big deal. Uh, we'll keep tabs on X League and see how that's gonna turn out for 2021. We're also keeping tabs on WFLA. They added the Seattle Rain. Seattle Rain, and I think the soccer team changed to OL Rain, right, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But anyways, I, I'm. I'm... <laughs> yeah. Right. O L L Rain or something. From what I heard. OL Rain or something like that. I mean, yeah, they're under Old prestigious Rain, European uh, football club, but it's like, you know, it, that doesn't mean you need to come in and just change the total name, especially name that's lasted as long as it has. So and. But I mean, you know, we'll we'll see how that that other Seattle Rain works out. I you know, Seattle Rain was we'll announced. Uh, they did a tidbit for um, I think they did a tidbit for the for the uniform, Seattle Rain. I think I think they're still looking for an owner. So I don't know if the ownership's still in place or not. So I don't know if the ownership's there. We, we also got um, the Washington women's team uh, with the no name. They're doing a name for a team in D.C. And so it was, I think hmm. it was bought by a PR group, a capital PR group, I believe it was. You go to the WFLA uh, football on Instagram, get all the details of what's happening with the WFLA. Um, the national tryouts happen on November 7th. So there's still a couple of teams in the WFC and WFA. They're going to finish up some of their trials uh, at the end of the month. So you can go to WFAProFootball.com, go to WNFCFootball.com, get the details on any uh, tryouts that are still remaining for certain teams. I know Nebraska had a huge turnout and they have to do, I think another tryout from what I uh, read from their page. So, oh my um, goodness. so there's still a lot of situations where some teams are going to do second tryouts, even from the original national tryouts. So, all right guys. Um, Nothing wrong with that. Thanks for, thanks for coming on today, uh, Nate. And then also for Holly Custis showing up with us and then congratulations to, uh, the Mac that Mac truck, uh, the salty one for her uh, great accomplishment there. And don't forget, you guys, uh, Monday, Thursday night, Monday night on Twitter at Great Iron Beauty. Check us out there. We're we're having a lot of fun there. And then also you can check out uh, check us out at the Hub every week. Uh, check out everything from WA Australia, which is New South Wales plus Queensland. Get the latest updates there in terms of what's happening in the women's game overseas and internationally. And don't forget, this week, three-day sale, three-day sale, 20% off at the No Joke Football Shop. Tanks, tees, everything else at the shop, 20% off. Go to our social sites at No Joke Football on Instagram. Go to uh, No Joke Football on Facebook. Uh, and it really helps us out, brings attention to all the athletes that support our brand as well and their teams and their leagues. 
And don't forget, 20% off, three-day sale. Share it with your friends. Use the code BESTZASSGIFTS and get 20% off. Uh, shout out to uh, Aliyah Carmali. Shout out to Alicia Patsky, uh, Lexi Demio. Uh, we have Ellie Mazzola, Debs Rodriguez, um, and all the other athletes that support our brand. Uh, and the sale from every uh, shirt, T-shirt, and everything else gets recycled to another to spotlight another athlete and also helps to keep our podcast alive on, on the various platforms that we're at. And our new sponsor, that also has contributed to us greatly and it's helped us stay afloat even better because we don't have to worry about certain things. And that's monkeyknifefight.com, monkeyknifefight.com. Go there right now, 100% match, up to $50, minimum deposit 10 You can play Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night NFL. It is a partner with the NFLPA, and we are so grateful and happy to be part of that organization right now as they're sponsored to us. Monkeyknifefight.com, use the code NJF and get going and sign up for this weekend's NFL action. Uh, Nate, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of stoked for the new year. Uh, I'm just, like, blown away that Mikey and I fight would entrust us with us and support us and keep the podcast alive. So it's a great platform. I don't know if you played it or not or gone there at all, but it's it's been a pretty awesome relationship so far. They've been very supportive, and they like what what we're doing on social media. So that's even awesome. Adding stuff, yeah, I'm 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 more than ready for the 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 new year and put this year in the rearview mirror. <laughs> I know it's it's kind of like we have to move on from COVID, but then it's like, do we really need to move on from COVID? Right? It's like it's in that mode. Right. I mean, a lot of people are ready to move on from COVID, but we got lockdowns over here in our state as well. So it's kind of like I don't know mm-hmm. what we're gonna do now in terms of you know the situation and everything else. So um, I don't know. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how everything pans out uh, for the new year. Hopefully we get a vaccine, right? So hopefully we get hope. something yeah. in that regard. Um, yeah. Let me see here. But it's been, it's been an exciting week so far in terms of the action and everything happening in the NFL. I'm looking forward to, um, I'm looking forward to see what college football is going to be like this week and see how that's going to mm-hmm. uh, be affected for us. Um, also looking forward to uh, what's going to happen in the um, Australia scene. So uh, mm-hmm. it's really, really awesome. So um, for Nate Ward, Mackenzie Brooks, and Holly Custis, we'll be here for 348, I believe it is. And hopefully we'll have Sam Gordon here next week, and then also Tony Fuller coming up next week. So it's going to be awesome. So uh, we'll catch you here next week, guys. Have a great night.